Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And like I say on every episode, we got a great one for you. We have someone that you've probably heard of. She's been around, Dina Carter. She's done some great things. She's got number ones as an artist, number ones as songwriter. So we're really excited to have her on and talk about parts of her story and talk music. So, Dina, are you here? I'm here. What's going on? It's going good. And, Sandy, are you here? Yes, I am here. <laughs> so we are all here. <laughs> <laughs> Now, That's now right. I like to start the show. Yep, I like to start the show yeah. out the way I always do in this day and time, with the same question: mm-hmm. um, How has COVID affected you, and how are you maneuvering through it? You know, because since we're all in this together. Mhm. Well, honestly, this is really cool because we've been doing this remote thing for like twenty-five years, right? Like, the cool thing is having a little bit of experience with this remoteness, which has uh, Mm -hmm. fared pretty Mm -hmm. well for us as artists, Um, and now we parlay it over into, like, the Zooms and uh, Mm -hmm. StreamYard and all these cool, you know, formats that we can plug into and see each other, and I just, honestly, it's been... First of all, I'm I'm getting fat. Let's just start with the most important <laughs> thing. <laughs> just, like, yeah. The COVID, it's COVID nineteen pounds is what we joke about. I know everybody says that. Oh, cool. But um, not right. Really. But just you know, making your life stop dead in its tracks has been hard on everybody, and yeah, adjusting hi- hyper awareness of your surroundings, and I mean. We could go through the list of things we all already know, you know, that are difficult and challenging. But I think I always try to look at the good ways, that the good things that can come out of it, and that would be, yeah. you know, we need to be more, more <laughs> careful and sanitary and that yep. kind of stuff. We need to do that always. And just right. being grateful, think about coming out of this, we're going to be so grateful that we can yep. do shows and get back mm-hmm. to work and and all of that, so, so I think it, the reset has been really important for us to slow down mm-hmm. enough to appreci- appreciate our lives and respect each other and just, you know, love on each other. I think that's going to be a yeah. big deal when we come out of it. You know, and I talk lining, a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the silver lining for us is that um, we launched a show January 3rd. And the original plan for the show was to do 80 to 100 interviews first year. I thought, you know what, if we could do 100 interviews first year, that would probably be more than most first-year hosts, and we'd be head of the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and then COVID happens, and I told Sandy, Mm -hmm. we have an opportunity here. I was like, you know, this could be our year to shine because, you know what, artists are going to need a place to talk. They're going to need a place to vent, a place to just – let emotions out. We're going to give them that platform. Mm-hmm. And it's funny mm-hmm. because we stepped it up, and I think you're either our number 215 or 216 interview for the year. Wow, that's amazing. Good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, seriously, I mean, so people, yeah. you know, they they need it. And we've branched out, too, just doing – we started Wing It Wednesdays and my TGI episodes that have always been going oh. and – we're going to add another mm-hmm. day in on Mondays for, you know, a sister lifter program to 
lift up my girls in the industry. Um, mm-hmm. So it's important to do it, and so congrats on that. That's awesome. Yep. Well, thank you. And I think it's important, like you said, to lift up your girls in the industry. Um, yes. when, if you go through our whole list of people we've interviewed, probably 60, 65% of them are women. Oh, yes, yeah, at least. We like to talk, like I said. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> yep. and, and I like to talk. You know, I told Sandy, yeah, I joked with Sandy years ago, I was like, if we could ever find a way to get paid <laughs> with me talking, we will be rich. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Well, we used to do that. You get paid by typing words per minute back in my day. So it's like, oh, okay. Now we're doing that. We can just translate that over to verbal. It'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) So um, tell us a little bit of, you know, one of the things that I like to talk about on the show that I think doesn't get talked about enough out there, especially for the rising artists that are out there. A lot of people, they see the glory behind like of you and of Blake Shelton's and Miranda's and all that. They see the glory, but they don't see the grind, the sacrifices, the tears that it takes to get to any level in music. And I don't think nobody talks about this side enough, so I always want to make sure that we talk about that side. And I'll tell a quick story to help kind of guide us where I want this to go. But back in 2014, we interviewed Allison Steele with Two Steele Girls, and at that time, they were full-time with music. And, and I asked Allison, what advice would she give an up-and-coming artist? And I'll never forget what she said. She said, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, you can literally see yourself doing something else. Go do that and keep music as a hobby. She goes, because the moment you want it to be a career, you no longer own your own life. Everybody owns a piece of it. Your friends and relatives, they never understand they, they invite you to weddings, to cookouts, to holidays, to weekends, but you can't do it because you're grinding this thing out. You, you're trying to make this living. You're trying to make this career. You're trying to move up, and they don't understand that. Then your family around you has to sacrifice because even though you're the artist, everybody around you sacrifices. Then on top of that, there's days that you just feel miserable, and you don't feel like getting on that stage, but you know what? You've got a gig. You've got to get up there and smile like there's no tomorrow, but then she added. She says, but if you cannot see yourself doing anything outside of music, then go all in because the only way that those kind of sacrifices could ever be worth it. What do you think of what she said? And let's talk about that side of it, of the industry. Well, I think there's some wit. I mean, there's obviously the truth in that, that you do, you know, you're working on everybody's days off. Like that's, what's been the weirdest thing (laughs) for me is uh, people are, you know, everybody's <laughs> off right now. And I mean, this is like my longest time not on the road in 25 years. And yeah. for yeah. everybody. So I do think it's hard to, I, and I, but here's the thing. Even when I was on tour, I would, I would be cruising like the classifieds or whatever online. I just was curious, like what a therapist was getting paid. Cause I've got my therapy <laughs> degree. So I was always like, I had so many jobs coming up. I was always looking at where the work is, like in case this goes away tomorrow, what am I going to do? Because I'm a worker bee and I've always paid my bills and all that kind of stuff. So I've always kind of like with what she said, I still pay attention to what a job is. And I'm thinking, 
maybe it's kept me fresh, like uh-huh. to her point. But at the same time, I'm like, <laughs> should I like be a real estate investor? Or, you know, I'll <laughs> tune into the cheesy little ads and all that stuff. Like, am I supposed to be doing something else now? Um, uh-huh. But it always comes back to the fact that I just. Even when I try to do something else, it will lead me straight back smack right dab back into, here. yeah, always. And it's just God's will um, and his grace for me mm-hmm. to be able to do it for as long as I've been able to do it and, and concentrate it as long, not yeah. being diverted, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's – and I. but I'm always looking. And I totally I'm get like, that. ooh, how do you do that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, you know, I totally get where you're coming from because back in 2014, we we originally launched New Country Buzz as an idea back in 2014, 2015. We interviewed a few people, including Kelsey Ballerini, before she made it big. And yeah. so we did this back then, but then it got back then you didn't have the technology you have now like what we're doing. I, I typed up everything. I transcribed everything, and I hated that. So I, we shut everything yeah. down in 2015. But it's one of them things that where it was like every year that would go by, I would be asking myself, hmm, what if? I, I kept, and I don't live when the, I've never lived my life on a what if. I, I would rather die broke than to wonder what if. And, I, and, I, and every year it was like, uh. yeah. and, and, I, and we even let go of the domain New Country Buzz. And, and I kind of kept looking up, up, nobody's bought it yet, up, nobody's bought it yet. And then about three years later, October of 18, I remember telling Sandy, I was like, you know, I really think God is nudging me here that I think we're supposed to relaunch and finish what we started. And we just had no idea mm-hmm. that that was going to lead through 2019 into 2020, and this show would form because of that. But here we are with the show with over 200 interviews to our belt in under eight months. So just you, just like you said, it was one of the things where I felt a piece of me missing when I left, and I had no choice to come back. Well, isn't it amazing? Because he is a finisher. God is the the beginning and the end of everything. Mm-hmm. And he will take most people through a desert period, but he won't leave you there, you know. He will allow you to kind of fester and want it again or have that. He does what he needs to do and lets you do what you need yeah. to do to be where you need to be. And I, mm-hmm. And I'm glad you tapped on that because, I honestly don't see how people can really function at all without God in their heart, like without yeah. that focus. Because, and I've look, I've been a wild child. I have been far <laughs> from perfect in my life. I've made so many mistakes and been done crazy things. But when I look at the grace that He has and provides and His patience and provision, I mean, you just I don't see how you can get through your life without. Yeah some kind of connection to him and mm-hmm. you know, cause he's going to, he's going to guide you and take care of you if you just let him. Yeah. <laughs> and he does anyway <laughs> sometimes, but anyway, I just, I mean, that, I that's just like our whole story of what led us here. Like um, when Sam and I first married over almost 18 years ago, um, I was one of these people that wanted to be a speaker. I listened to motivational audio stuff all day long. She listens to music all day long. 
I wanted to be a speaker. She wanted to be some way in music. And back then, we, we, we figured out real quick that we had to compromise in the car. So we'd listen to 50% oh, yeah. of my stuff, 50% of her stuff. And mm-hmm. I always joked that she brainwashed me into all this music stuff because now I'm all but, – but here it is. We're all, almost 18 years later, and we've probably done 100 different business ideals or more that all failed. But they, mm-hmm. but they succeeded mm-hmm. just enough to keep us going and to learn, but eventually they all failed. And after 18 years, here it is. We got something on a crazy little show that combines me getting to speak, getting her passion of music, and we're under one umbrella. Yeah. Thank God. It it's is. So, I mean, look, he knows what he's doing. It's amazing. So, yeah, that's, you know, the main thing about all this is just, Knowing he's in charge, we got to just keep the focus because it sure seems like some other stuff's going on, and it is. But he's he's mm-hmm. letting people get to the point where they're so fed up and so at the end of their rope that they're going to talk to him, you know? Yeah, because that's where I was, sure. like, um, almost 13 years ago. Um, I went through 19 years of addictions, and the first five years of our marriage was really bad for my wife but she never put me down she never nagged me none of that she uplifted me and all and you know people always kind of tell us that when they hear our story that oh she allowed you to walk over her those early years no she didn't she allowed me to experience god's pure love through her big difference and and i've been sober almost 13 years now because of her obedience to god right yep and it talks about that in the Bible, you know, and that's the that's a beautiful thing. Isn't that just awesome? And I love this because see, One. when we go, when we do our show, we never know where it's going. And when people start mm-hmm. talking about God, I'm like, all I am all in when that happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, I'm sitting here. And it's funny because I'm looking at Pineapple Willie's right now here in Panama City. My mm-hmm. friend from high school, met her. we were four years old. She was my best friend all oh, the way well. through school. And she sent me a note and said, hey, I'm going to be down there. Um, and we went through everything together, everything. And then when I went to college, mm-hmm. we kind of went our separate ways for a minute. But we still talk. You know, a lot of people in my class were still really close. And just the blessing of having people like that in your life that know, knew me before I ever, I mean, knew me, I was four years in the world and I met her. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they've, my friends that have known me all these years don't look at me like Dina Carter, the country singer. They look at me like Wayne, oh, wow. the girl that, that, you know, with pigtails and yeah. band-aids on my knees or whatever, <laughs> from, you know, and, and it's so important to, uh, yep keep those grounding things in your life and Mm -hmm. God has been gracious to me in that way too. Just having solid people that have kept me so real and grounded and and connected to my life, you know, prior to and since um, having songs on the radio. That's a gift. Yep. And speaking of that, let's talk about that a little bit. The, you know, we talked about the sacrifices and it, it, tough for artists out there and all that let's talk about the other side of it now the part that people see the glory side when you look back on your career so far which is a long one tell us two three four moments that you're like wow i i got to do that or wow that happened oh my gosh 
I could name, I mean, how long is this show? You can have me on five more times. But seriously, um, the uh, one of, well, I mean, the first of all, I got to do um, some singing at the White House, you know, with Christmas oh, well. in Washington and the uh-huh. 4th of July and meet the presidents and be there, like, meeting both parties of candidates and um, Love that. always being just being a part of such a I love our country I'm I'm a very patriotic person I'm committed mm-hmm. to this country mm-hmm. I love it and so being able to be a part of that is hugely personal and yeah. special to me um yeah and then you've got I got to perform with Stevie Wonder and um uh, Barry Manilow and uh, the Beach the Beach Boys and uh, so many things that were outside of country music that were amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I got oh, wow. to present Bruce Springsteen with his Grammy for Ghost of Tom oh, wow. Joad, the best folk album, <laughs> oh, wow. and he was I mm-hmm. loved him like he was a huge influence in my life and in music and. It's pouring down rain, by the way, if you hear loudness, that's what that is. It just a thunderstorm just rolled in here on the on the water. That's crazy. But things like that, you know, and performing in arenas with uh Alan Jackson and Kenny Chesney and Keith Urban wow. and um just arena touring the some of the mm-hmm. artists we've met, I've been able to do T V mm-hmm. and movies and all kinds of stuff, new experiences that I try to just well ask for Take them and be open and yeah, pray about them before you say yes and you know, all that. Mm-hmm. So there's I, a lot. I I definitely understand that. Now we read that um Willie Nelson had a big influence on you in a in an era. Tell us a little bit about how that happened. Um, well, he, he worked with my dad and my dad was a guitar player and he was part of the A team in Nashville that played on all these amazing records and Willie knew my dad. They were actually songwriters together at Pamper, which turned into Tree, which Sony has now. As a matter Mm -hmm. of fact, my dad has that Coors Light Mm -hmm. commercial that Waylon is singing, River Boy. That was my dad's song. Um, oh wow! Yeah, that was a that was under the same publisher that he was a Willie. But so when I started, you know, out of college, I got my degree and I was jetting around town trying to get a deal and had done some demos and Willie heard my my tape. <laughs> I hate saying that because I sound like a dinosaur, but Willie heard it and he was just like, "What? Oh my gosh! You need to you need to take care of this girl." So he put me, I was the only girl on Farm Aid in 94, and went out to men in the Superdome and just did an acoustic little set with, uh, before him and Christopherson, and it was awesome. And wow. he just believed in me. So he and Jimmy Bowen were buddies, and Jimmy's the one that was running Capitol Records, and he was actually on Liberty, which was something Bowen had revived under Capitol. And so I'd go out with them on the golf cart after that, and like be <laughs> caddy and just being the little kid that 
did they saw growing up and taking care of them. They were they needed taken care of sometimes. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, just looking after them so they could get home okay. <laughs> and it it was awesome. Uh and you know, he just he's always been sweet. And Willie always, when I see him, he's like, "What you been writing?" He wants to know about oh, wow. songs. He just he is a lover oh, awesome. of songs. Oh yeah. wow! He he loves them. He's just like a I can kid see and that. a candy. I see. You know, <laughs> Willie's when, like when you hear interviews American of him, doll. I can see that. He's like the American Doll store. You know, he's like mm-hmm. walking the front door, and you're just overwhelmed with the outfits and the the themes and the this and that, like Willie's wanting to know what you're thinking, what you're writing about, what's it going to be today? And well, play me a little bit, hit me with the, what's the punchline? Like, he, what's the, you know, he wants, so yeah, he's awesome. I love and that. And he's getting up there. I know. He's getting up there. And hopefully, hopefully one day we can get him on the show. Cause he's getting up there. And, you know, we were he trying to get so. Charlie Daniels on the show before, yeah. Um, he passed mm-hmm. away, and I'm like, okay, now we got to get some of these other ones on the show before it happens so that we can get them on the show. I, you know, I don't want all the legends to go away and then we make it big. You know, I'm like, hey, we got to get them on the show. <laughs> um, well, he, look, and Charlie was an amazing guy. They're just, there's so many, but I saw Willie at um, the CMAs. Was it CMAs mm-hmm. that we just did? And when I got to present with uh, Lara mm-hmm. Spencer, oh, well. and I got to see him again, mm-hmm. and he he was super sweet and gave me a hug and everything. But, you know, you just want to get him while you can because he's – we yeah. had a, a show with him this year, actually. It got postponed. I was so upset because <laughs> I was like – and it was in Texas. It was going to be a big deal. Um so yeah. hopefully we'll reschedule oh, well. that for next. Hopefully yeah. we'll be able to do do one. Yeah. Yeah, we actually got Randy Travis coming on tomorrow. Oh yeah, yeah. so excited. You have to tell him I said hello, please. Oh, we, well, we definitely, definitely will. we will re- we'll remember that because <laughs> it's going to be him and his wife coming you know, on tomorrow. Yes. Well, I have to tell you, my daddy. The the reason I started listening to country music seriously was because of Randy Travis. Oh wow! And he he uh, was in my house when I was in high school singing mm-hmm. demos and for my dad and my dad helped him early on working with him and I was like, who is that? Like I, my job was to bring the coffee, and, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was the wait the waitress at the house taking care of whoever was there, um, and they were working, and I, I was like, that voice is amazing, and I peek around, I'm expecting to see like Barry White or some, you know, this guy, <laughs> and yeah. I, I see yeah. this little like this cute young little guy just belting his guts out and I thought man that's really cool and I started paying attention to country music because of Randy Travis oh wow that's cool uh, enough I, 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 yeah so 
totally. I'd always <laughs> loved Dolly Parton and, you know, Will, people uh-huh. like that that I had known about and loved their voice and stuff. Yeah. But Randy really, I mean, he was standing in the living room, so I, I he got my attention right there, and I was thinking, hmm, this, there's something to this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, well. Yeah, so you... You guys have to tell him hi for me. I love him. Oh, we, oh, we will. will. We'll definitely remember yeah. to do that. And we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and play one of your old songs, Strawberry Wine. Sandy, that's her favorite song of yours, so we're going to play that one, and we're going to talk yeah. about that particular song. How's that sound? Okay. Awesome. Thank you. All right. You. Hang, hang on the line. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over. He was working through college on my grandpa's farm. I was thirsting for knowledge. And he had a car Yeah, I was caught somewhere between a woman and a child One restless summer we found love growing wild On the banks of the river on a well-beaten path It's funny how those memories, they last Like strawberry wine
just love that song. I could listen to that all the time. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, my favorite song. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that song. I know it's been a while, but, you know, tell us the story of how that song came together. Well, you know, I'd done a whole album I co-produced with Jimmy Bowen um, mm-hmm. and went over to Europe and released it first and did a whole tour over there. It was the same title. It had different, a few different songs on it. And yeah. we came back here to the States. And I wanted to go over to Europe first. And I went over there by myself with a guitar, had a full British band, didn't know anybody. I was like 25 years old. <laughs> Um, and toured over there because I knew coming from Nashville and being a row kid growing up in Nashville in the business, I knew it could be brutal, you know, and I just wanted to go cut my teeth on touring and performing and in, in an environment that was so literally foreign to me that Mm -hmm. when I came home, I wouldn't like be afraid (laughs) (laughs) to be honest because I was scared to death to get into love by Nashville and and the system you know Um, yeah and so I I did and came back and there was some wrestling a little bit with the label Bowen had left and we had new label people come in and so it was another about year and a half of just trying to figure out what we were doing and so they wanted me to Mm -hmm. do some outside songs and I said if I'm going to record outside material then they have to be something that I bring in that I lived that I love and so I was a fan of Matresa Berg um, had been a fan of hers for a long time and we had a little history together and I just she had written Strawberry Wine I took in Strawberry Wine and We Dance Anyway on the same day and played it for the label and said, these are the two songs that if we're going to replace some of mine that I want, that I'm okay with. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, they were cool with it. And and when we went in the studio, they wanted to take the bridge out because they were scared. They thought it was too Beatles and that it was too... (laughs) risky and all this stuff and it's just like no I fought really hard for that song to stay as is on the record and believe me it was a fight um wow and we they don't always get it it right they never no and they never dreamed in a million years that a six minute waltz would ever hit the radio so they're like okay whatever we'll give you that one you know (laughs) and yeah (laughs) And so when we were at radio, we were actually going to release. We had done a video, and we the single was How Do I Get There? And we were, oh, excuse me, it was I've Loved Enough to Know. Mm-hmm. So we were okay. promoting a whole nother song, and I would sing on my guitar, just me, the guitar. We would do um, Strawberry Wine and maybe Before We Ever Heard Goodbye or something. And at the phones back then were just lighting up like crazy, and people were going, what is that strawberry song? I want to hear that song. So <laughs> the oh, fans wow. are, yeah, they're they're really the ones that changed that it, it and made it a hit. But mm-hmm. And the record label finally was like, look, we're getting calls from all the regionals and everybody is freaking out over this other song. What do you think? 
And I was like, nope, no way. Yep. I have waited all this time. We are going up, full steam ahead, which I've loved enough to know. <laughs> <laughs> and and he said, Scott Hendricks, he said, um, well, if I can turn it around for you and us keep the same release date, we do a video and change it all and do Strawberry Wine as our single, would you be okay? And I said, if you can keep the date, um, that's awesome. And oh, he wow. did. He kept his word. Yeah. It was like in two weeks. I mean, it was some crazy time frame. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, we that made me think about something. We had a we do a podcast called State of the Music Business Podcast, where we bring executives and professionals on the business side of music to talk about the industry. And we had a guy on, and he and he and he talked about, and he was talking. About, we were talking about the mistakes that sometimes executives make, and he told us his his moments to where when he looks back the big mistakes he made and it was two of them two big ones he said that when you know before Kenny Chesney and Jason Aldean were who they are they came to the company he was with and he said they'll never work mhm yeah he says to he said to this day i remember that he's so because he was he was letting everybody know he says just because an executive says you can't make it keep that in mind <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's so true. And I mean, I remember Kenny parking cars at uh, over in um Sylvan Park over there and you know, I've known Kenny oh, for wow. years and years. Like I was at a writing session back in it was probably ninety one. Mm-hmm. Um over at Tom Collins Music and that building the of the new Capitol well now it's word music, but it was the Capitol building on 16th, um, mm-hmm. but there was this beautiful old antebellum house, and I was in there riding with somebody, and we used to all have to put our keys in a buck in a little basket because the parking lot was small, and they'd move your cars <laughs> around, but I was in there, and we had our keys mixed up, and he was in there writing with somebody, and I mean, we were kids. Oh, wow. I, mean, I was so young, and he was too, and uh and that's when I met Kenny was at Tom Collins music back there, like five, six years before anything ever happened for me. So and Keith Urban, you know, we were on the label together. It's just, that was a great tour for me because I've known Mm -hmm. those guys for a long time and it's just a love fest. That was sweet. So tell us a little bit about your dad. I know that he was a big influence on you too, since he was, he's also done this. How did that influence you? Oh my gosh! I mean, honestly, I think literally it it just musically he was off the chart. I mean he he was such a virtuoso. He was one of these people that came out of the womb playing something. Like when he was two, he just <laughs> wow. his mother my my grandmother told me he just picked up the fiddle and played it. You know, wow, <laughs> he could play. Any single instrument he walked up to, he could play it. And I'm not even kidding you. It didn't matter what it was. He could pick it up and play it. And there are there is some amazing footage I'll encourage you all to look at. And it's Levon Helm mm-hmm. and Sissy Spacek and my dad um, oh, wow. when they did the um, Coal Miner's Daughter Tour. And 
my daddy and Levon were best buddies. They were they started the band together. They worked with mm-hmm. Ronnie and Dale Hawkins, and then Bob Dylan found them, all that. But um, Levon loved my daddy, loved him, and mm-hmm. he, and my dad's actually he was a guitar player by fame, but he is in this show on YouTube playing the fiddle, and I'd never wow. even seen him play the fiddle like that until huh. I caught it on YouTube. And uh, he is killing it on the fiddle. It's just like, so his influence was he was always playing something around the house. Mm-hmm. That was, that melodically made me pay attention, just melodies wow. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then production-wise, as a, I came up knowing how to hear all the layers of music. So production and co-production was just a natural thing for me um, to be able to hear all these layers, you know. And I was listening to Queen and the Bee Gees and Mm -hmm. all this music that was so orchestral that, you know, the music of the 70s was all orchestrated, whether it was country or any genre pretty Mm -hmm. much. And and so that just helped really nurture that production side of my brain. Wow. You know, and he and the, I'd say the third element was just that he loved artists that were writers, like self-contained. He loved Paul Simon, loved my daddy, because he he played yeah. lead on all their records, the Bridge Over Trouble Water, like the Boxer, all that's my dad on lead guitar. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so he loved artists that wrote and played and performed. Like he always said to me. If you you have to be able to write your heart, be able to communicate through a song that'll reach everybody, and sit on a stool and play it yourself, and then oh, you will that. always be able to eat. <laughs> You'll always be able to eat if you can do that. <clears throat> and he said, "Stay away from politics and religion." Good Lord, he would always preach that too, like <laughs> which he oh, <laughs> he would roll over. <laughs> Right now in our world, he would just be freaking out right now. But um, <laughs> so, but yeah, that's what he, his best advice: just yeah. be able to. I love that. Tell a story that relates to everybody, and be able to tell it, like sing it yourself. So that is really great. There you have it. Now, one of the things that we like to do on our show is, you know. I don't think that they get enough love, to be honest with you. But the teams behind artists, you know. The fans, yeah. they see the artists, but they don't see the PR people, don't see the producers, managers, the people that never make any noise, basically. So I always like to give artists a few minutes to kind of just talk about the team behind them. So if you want to take a few moments to tell us a little bit about who makes you who you are, your team. Well, I will say that whole – everybody at um, Capitol Records was amazing to me. We had such a great team. Everybody from, obviously, Scott Hendricks, Bowen was the initial one, and mm-hmm. signing me up as a, produce, a producer when no female artist, Reba was the only one who had co-produced her records. Wow. Maybe um, Barbara Mandrell, maybe, but Reba was it. And mm-hmm. he said, I, you know, I want you to co-produce your records, be in charge of your sound and all that, so... Bowen was huge there. Um, Capital, we had 
all the radio team, Bill Catino was huge to get records, you know, played. It was he he fought hard for artists and songs. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, back then it was when everybody was unique, so there was a lot of content, but it was so diverse that it fit in. Like yeah. It was nothing. It didn't all sound the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but hair and makeup people, PR people, like God, just everybody, you know, <laughs> that worked Takes so hard. And people, yeah, it really does. And uh, <laughs> then you know, we brought in Chris Farron halfway through that project, and he co-produced that record with uh, me, and we finished it and like polished it all up we used half the original album and uh added new stuff to it and he helped with the new stuff and so it was a community and you get into the publishers you know all the people in the community that pull together and help vote and nominate Mm -hmm. and all that stuff everybody's kind of vying for a spot but it's it's a love fest at the same time (laughs) So, yeah, it was it was a community of like bartering and trading and helping each other out, you know. Yeah, yeah. I definitely understand that. I love that. And you know, we've kind of got a third team member on on our show too. Our little eight year old. We always let him get on the phone and ask one question yes, to each artist. Do. I'm saying he's going to get him on real okay. quick. And we got an eighteen month old daughter that when she gets older we'll be plugging her in too. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Well that's the way to do it because we're a family teach them the way they should go and that's right. You teach them young and they won't stray from it, right? That's the yep. point. You're the second person that's told us that law, the Bible quote of that, teach them young and they won't stray. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's we love so that. true. Here. Here's Christopher with his question. Okay. Hi, Dina. What's your favorite food? Hi, Christopher. What are my favorite foods? Yeah. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Well, Southern, it's hard to not eat fried Fried food is probably my favorite food. <laughs> um, I would say... I love wine and cheese. Sorry, Christopher. I know you're young, but <laughs> I do like wine and cheese. And I love uh, fried okra. If you put mm. fried okra in front of me, there's no way I'm going to ever say no oh, to that. I love fried there's okra, no. too. Oh, oh so what's yours, little Chris? Uh, pizza. Pizza, for sure. I had that last night. <laughs> Yeah, he could eat it. He could eat it lunch, morning, dinner. Yeah, he could. Yeah, he gets on. Well, if you ever you know, come, he, he, yeah, go ahead. If you ever come to Florida, down to like Destin, you got to go to Grimaldi's. They have the best pizza on the on the whole planet. It's so good. Oh wow! Yeah, we're actually planning on next year moving out to. Next year we're planning on moving out to Nashville. Oh, good. Well, good for y'all. Well, thank you. I feel like we're right in the middle of all this that we need to be there. Yeah. Yep. I think um, everybody's going to be raring to go. Hope. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, uh, 
I, I know I always watch the numbers, and I know Georgia numbers, they spiked around July, June and July. Mm-hmm. And then now that if you look at the trend map, it's coming way – now, granted, they keep still showing the daily and all that, but the daily is way less than it was a month ago. So the trend is coming down in Georgia, and I think – and Florida is coming way down because I watch, we, we go to Jacksonville, Florida a lot, so we always watch the trend there for Jacksonville too to make sure, okay, we're good to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <clears throat> well, I think that – here, you know, we've had pretty good numbers here in Florida. If they we got terrible reports because they're looking at Miami and then everything was inflated and um, yeah, it's been you know we obviously feel so much for people that especially the elderly people and just vulnerable people and all that. So it's, yeah. it's a real thing. But when you're living in an area where um, it's not, you know the numbers aren't correlating with what the news is saying. It's, yeah. uh, you're still trying to be respectful and aware and all that, but yeah, it's confusing, you know? So, um, same thing. I just suggest for people to go on their County website and look at that. You know, that's what's helpful because it's, that's really a little more honest. I think that's yeah. what we've been doing. It's like, well, where, where are we at in the county, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's so. kind of how we do it, too. To kind of look at all yeah. the numbers and see where, and that's how I know it's coming. So if you could co-write with anyone right now, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you want to write about? Mm. Wow. And if you want to say one of each, a person who's passed on, a person not, that would be great too. Because sometimes people are like, well, how can I choose between dead and alive? <laughs> yeah, I it's know. hard to choose. <laughs> it's so hard. So hard for me to even say. You know, I, I mean, I go back retro. I'm always going to go that way. I would say yeah. Freddie Mercury. I would oh, wow. because he was. His music to me was, you know, my brother, my older brother especially, he listened to, like, um, Pink Floyd and, you know, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. I had a lot of that influence from him. But Freddie Mercury was amazing musically. Just his brain, his orchestrated mind and creation and production and all that, that would just be like a musical feast to me. I would love to to do something with him and you know he was a chameleon like I'd love to have a southern sort of <laughs> flair to it like in a way like you know I always would like to kind of swing it our way a little bit that would be uh-huh. a wonderful experience and uh I'm trying to think living I mean it broke my heart when Joe Diffie died this year we were supposed to have a yeah. song or show with oh, him yeah. And oh, wow. I would love to have sung with, we were just months away, like a month or so away from seeing him. I just want, would have loved to have sung with him again. And um, he was one of my favorites and a fun guy. He was awesome. So good. Uh, yeah, for so, sure. Karen so what Carpenter, is it like being probably. in a music family? <laughs> um. 
well, just music, like, it was music all the time. And I cross-referenced genre because we always had everything going on. You know, we listened to everything. We weren't just stuck in, like, one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just, like I said, either if Dad wasn't in the studio working, we were, we were down there in the studio with him most of the time, or he would be playing around the house. We'd watch Bugs Bunny, and he'd sit there with the guitar and play note for note all <laughs> that, like, classical music. And we'd be oh, like, wow. shut up, you know, <laughs> put down the guitar. <laughs> oh, we can't hear. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's hilarious. So, and my mother, my mom was a great singer. My grandparents and aunts and uncles, they were, like, I had twin aunts, Betty Joyce and Bobby Lois. They were on the organ and the piano in church. And, you know, just everybody was playing or singing something. So Mm -hmm. a given. Most definitely. You know, every artist, no matter what level they're at, there's always goals that they're still trying to achieve. So what are you trying to do over the next five years? What what, were some of your goals? What would you like Um, to do in five years? Well, I would like, you know, I've done five movies. The, there's oh, wow. this little series. I'm, there will be a third one coming out in a series that I did, um, A Very Country Christmas, A Very Country Wedding, and then The Honeymoon is coming out. I shot it in Canada. I mean, I barely made it out of Canada before they locked it all down, and it oh, should wow. be coming out this fall. So, oh, cool. I would love love to do some more of that. That's really fun. And something really special for the 25th anniversary of, of Shave My Legs, the record. I'd love to do something for that next year. And just I would honestly love to have, like, one more big fat run with a radio <laughs> tour, number one uh-huh. song, big bus. Or yeah. like the good old days. Mm-hmm. That, that would be amazing. That would be awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so let's say you, you look ten years down the road and you're still doing music. You're and you're at the top the top of your career right now. If the person you are now could meet your future self, what would you tell her? Mm, I would everybody tell her always goes to make the other sure way. Oh, yeah? I'm saying everybody always goes, what would you tell your past self? I like to go to the future. What would you tell your future self? I would say be sure you tell a story everybody can relate to and that you can sing it on a stool by yourself. (laughs) I think I would just repeat what my daddy said because it has proven to be the best anecdote for everything, really. I love that. And I was going to ask yeah. you about advice for an up, up and coming, but I think you'd give that same advice, so I'll scratch that. <laughs> I would. And I would just say, don't lie. I would say uh, that and don't lie. Yeah. Don't be a liar in your life. Like, no matter what, just tell the truth, and it's going to be okay. <laughs> I love that. So, as we come to a close here, tell everybody how they can reach you. You can find me on uh, Twitter is Dina Sings, S-I-N-G-S, 
and it's Dina. I know a lot of people say Deanna, but it's like Dean Martin, <laughs> who I was I was yeah. named after because yeah. um, my daddy had a song he recorded around the time I was born. So it's D E A N A. So it's Dina sings at Twitter, Dina tunes on Instagram, official Dina Carter on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, Cameo, you can book me on Cameo.com, and I can send, like, little personal messages to your friends and family and whatever they've got coming <laughs> up. You that. can go there. That's, that's really fun. That is cool. You know, we re- we definitely are gl- glad you come on the show. We, ha- we really enjoyed having you on, and we definitely look forward to having you back <laughs> down the road. Yes. Well, thank you so much. and. I appreciate y'all taking the time, and God bless you, and good luck to everything that you put your hands to. Well, thanks, and you too, and we look oh, forward to seeing so that, that run. The, you said you want one final run. We look forward to seeing that happen. Oh, yes. Oh, thank you. Wait. <laughs> got to put it out <laughs> there, right? Got to put it out yeah, there. Exactly. <laughs> you got to put it out there. You know, again, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up where you don't like. So. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. Well, I appreciate y'all. Thank you, and have a a TGIF, and we'll catch you later on the flip side. Sounds good. We'll talk to you later. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thank thank y'all. Bye-bye.